0: It is really so important that you are having conversations with the people that you play with, that you are being kind, that you are showing that you are approachable. Make the experience that is playing with you memorable. That doesn't mean that you need to play louder than anybody, but be kind. I've said it so many times, it's not just enough to to go and to play well, and that is important, but, but be nice or have fun. This is Max Q, the podcast by Peabody's Launchpad office dedicated to demystifying what life is like after graduation. Every episode, we sit down with a recent Peabody alumni to get their take on what life is like for working artists in today's world. Multifaceted careers, time management, finances, finding balance between your work and your life. We explore that and more on the Max Q podcast.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Sarah Thomas. In this interview, I'm speaking with Gavin Peck, a violist, arts administrator, and yoga teacher who graduated from Peabody with his GPD in 2020. Gavin performs regularly with chamber ensembles and orchestras in the DMV area, works as an artistic director for Listesso Music Group, and teaches yoga classes in Baltimore. In this interview, we talk about what it's like balancing different types of work, the evolution of career and life goals, and taking care of our bodies as performing artists cool well thank you so much for joining us um we're excited to to hear a little bit about what you're up to these days since graduation i wanted to see if you could start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and what life looks like for you right now on a day-to-day
0: basis sure well i my name is gavin i'm a violist i graduated in 2020 i think 2020 um, I did two degrees at, at Peabody and Masters and uh GPD. And my day-to-day now is complicated. It's it's a lot of things. I stay very busy. So my sort of main quote-unquote full-time job is I manage bookings for 17 string quartets around the country. And this means like a lot of emailing, a lot of organization. I also perform in the DC slash Baltimore group, so I do perform quite a bit as well, and that can be anything from weddings, corporate events, candlelight concerts, um, sort of a a range of things. Then in addition to that, I am a registered yoga teacher, and I am also an American Council on Exercise Certified group fitness instructor, which is a mouthful. And so with those two certifications I teach yoga classes and I teach HIT classes high-intensity annual training and That keeps me honestly quite busy on its own. I teach a lot of classes then in addition to that I Just do sort of random random gigs and performances on the side I've been asked to play with BSO a couple of times uh, the Baltimore Symphony. I've been Asked to play with Annapolis Symphony. I have played with York Symphony a few times, but that's a little bit far from where I live now. Um, I have sort of this weird flexible schedule, which is really wonderful. Uh, It has allowed me to play with these different groups. It has allowed me to do recitals by myself or to put on small projects with various string quartets. Like for example, last spring, I performed uh, Shostakovich Eight and Dvorak American Quartet at my apartment building, which was a little funny and a good way to meet new neighbors and, and all that. But sometimes those are a little bit more formal than just something at the apartment building. I was also asked to join Cassia Music, which is a group that's based around DC. I spent uh, 10 days with them in New Hampshire last summer at Avalok Farm Music Institute. So I sort of just do whatever I'm a in a weird go-to, Freelance gig worker phase, and I really enjoy it. Uh, so, so yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do every day. I it doesn't matter how random my schedule is around me in terms of work. I exercise, I practice a little bit depending on what's coming up, and I answer emails for a couple hours a day and have a good time. I guess.
1: I want to talk a little bit about your uh, job coordinating quartets and stuff, because you mentioned you also perform with them, and I know you've been performing with them for some time. I'm kind of wondering um, how you started getting involved with that particular group, and also because, like you mentioned, you have so many different types of freelance things in the Baltimore area or, or um, d area. Uh, how, like, what did that look like for you, I guess, as a student and transitioning out of being a student and starting to do this maybe more?
0: Yeah, great question. Complicated as anything answer. I I started to play with this group, I think, uh, about a year after I got to Peabody, a little bit less than a year after I started at Peabody. And the reason that I started to do groups with this particular uh, group, games with this group, was because the violist who was previously in it and I, we weren't super close, we were friends, but we weren't super close and she was letting me know that she was going to be moving, she knew I had a car, and she knew that I was at least able to play the viola uh, at some level, and she asked if I'd be interested in joining the group as their main violist, and it seemed very random at the time. I hope that it wasn't just random or luck, but I think that there was an element of that for sure. And I started to play gigs with them, and it it really picked up fast. There were a lot of car rides. There were a lot of very, very busy weekends early on. And it seemed like every spring and fall, particularly for weddings, it just picked up more and more each year. So I've been busy with them, playing events for them for... I guess a little over five years now. And in that time, I know that I've played like at least 110 events that are not concerts. So, you know, a lot. And from there, I was always very communicative and I like to be the lead person. And that's just how I am anyway. I like to be in charge of what's going on to whatever level I can be without stepping on toes, hopefully. Whenever I would arrive to an event, I would like to speak to whomever was in charge, make sure that I knew exactly what was going to be happening and when. If I ever had questions about an event, I made sure to to discuss those like well ahead of time. It's just I just try to be organized and approachable, nice, energetic, all the things, all the time. And whenever anything went wrong, not that things ever go wrong. But, you know, with that many events, occasionally there would be, you know, 15 minute timing issue or missing a cue or missing a piece of music. Anytime that anything like that would happen, I was always the first person to make the phone call that no one wanted to make to get things sorted as soon as possible, however that meant. And so I think that that was just noticed over time. And that, in addition to an eagerness to work—not, I've ho- hopefully never came across as desperate—but I always was excited to perform, or to to be involved in any way that I could uh, with this group in particular. So I think that, along with just responding to emails very quickly and always being thorough but but still concise and kind, uh, as much as I could be, I think that was noticed. And eventually, about a year and a half ago. Uh, The manager, sort of, for this group, who is uh, based in New York himself, uh, he manages all of the groups, or he started out as the person who was booking all of the events for all of the quartets that this company is in charge of. He reached out to me to see if I would be interested in joining the team. And at the time it did feel a little bit random, but not too random. Like, I felt confident in the impression I had made and in the work that I had done, and I was grateful to be noticed for that. So I had initially a fairly minor role. It was an important role, but I wasn't busy all the time or anything, and it was really something that would fluctuate with the season. So I would send the details that had been compiled over anywhere from two years to two days for an event, I would compile those details, and then I would make sure that the musicians had all the details and had confirmed receipt of the details, all that stuff, very organizational. Um, And once they confirmed, the event would happen, and that was sort of the end of that. This did keep me pretty busy, even though it was very part-time and very random hours. I would work whenever I could, whenever it was convenient, but some weekends we'd have 40 to 50 events happening. And that meant a lot of emails for me to send, a lot of confirmations for me to receive. But I worked at the company in that capacity for six or seven months. And then I was asked to, to take a much larger role. And that has brought me to where I am now. At first, they had me booking events for just a handful of the ensembles, including the ensemble based in DC. And then that's increased to 17 and now it's, it's a full-time job in terms of the consistency of the work and pay and, and things like that, but it fluctuates. Like I have to work probably two to three hours a day really consistently to stay on top of everything.
1: Uh, something I'm thinking about is you work with, again, both through this job and also just everything else that you're doing right now, you work with so many different people. musicians and clients and um, other like arts administrators and lots of people doing lots of different jobs Um, and something that I feel like at least for me while I was in school I didn't have a lot of experience working with like building contracts or negotiation or working with people and having to talk to people about money basically And I'm guessing that this is something that you have to do again, both through this job and also with other stuff that you've done. And I'm kind of wondering, like, what has your learning process been with that? Um, Is it something that you've always felt comfortable with or that you're kind of, uh, that's been a process for you or yeah.
0: I have had to have sort of tough conversations about money. There are a lot of people who try to haggle and who have very unrealistic expectations. It is a hard balance between making sure that clients are able to get what they want, people do not feel like they are being overcharged, also explaining to them why music can cost as much as it does. A lot of people don't understand that it's not just the hour that you're there or the two hours that you're there. It's everything that leads up to that. And that doesn't mean that every single musician is practicing Canon and D six hours a day so that they can play it at at its, you know, highest possible quality. And they all play it well, don't get me wrong. But if you're paying for a really good musician, then you're essentially paying for someone who practices other things and is always going to be capable at whatever it is that they're performing. So I do have to explain that quite often. And most people understand that, even if they're not able to meet whatever the charges end up being. So I have grown more confident, but it also helps that I am with... A company. I mean, it's like a startup. There's only like six or seven of us running everything in total. So we're small, but there's enough of us and there's enough experience from before my time that I am able to move forward with quite a bit of confidence. So that is something that I'm really grateful for. And in terms of contracts and other things, I have been able to rely on their trial and error when I suggest any updates or anything to the contracts that we do have so most of what i'm working with was already in place i'm very grateful for that but i'm also in a position where because i play so many events and because i'm really really invested and a part of everything that we are doing i do have a lot of thoughts about what needs to be included in a contract for musicians things such as you know the basics like weather Weather is non-negotiable. It cannot be too cold. There cannot be direct sunlight. Things like that are important, and not everyone thinks about that. Or making sure that clients understand whether or not we provide speakers or explaining why we may or may not need something like that. So I have definitely grown to understand things like contracts and finances much more through doing this, but I'm also very grateful that, that so much was already in place.
1: Uh, I want to shift a little bit over and talk about your um, your yoga and hit teaching practice. And yeah, I guess I'm just wondering a couple things. I'll, I'll give you a two-part question. First of all, when did you start seriously practicing yoga? Uh, and as you started doing that and then started teaching, how do you, How has that affected your your viola life, either musically, physically, mentally?
0: I've always exercised uh, as long as I can, you know. Really, coherently remember, I've I've always been pretty active. I I didn't start doing yoga until later, but I have always been very interested in having a physical practice, and I'm grateful that I have because I think it's a great outlet. It is good for my physical, my mental health. Um, yeah. So I feel lucky that that's always been a part of my life in some way, but that has changed a lot. Yoga is something that I got into a little bit during my undergrad, but I never really committed to it. And I think that part of that is because I had exercised so regularly for so long when I did yoga. It did not always feel like I had gotten a workout, which in hindsight, you know, is not really the main point all the time of yoga. But at the time, that was something that bothered me was that I didn't feel like I got my workout in and there were only so many hours in a day. So I kept coming back to it, kept coming back to it. I knew that it was something that was supposed to be good for me and I enjoyed it, but just not enough to really commit. Then during my master's, I was noticing some back pain that I'd actually had for a while. I just hadn't really known how to address it or how to even bring it up to my instructor. Um... And yoga was suggested to me, and uh, it was suggested by by Vicky at Peabody that I do a certain style of yoga, 26 and 2 is what it is called these days. It's, It's a hot yoga. And this was a really great fit for me because it made me sweat, and therefore I felt like I was getting my workout in, and I was doing yoga. So it checked all of the boxes early on, and I committed to that right away, and I did start to feel better because... There's a lot of back strengthening that we would do in the class, but also I think that when you learn to engage muscles, you learn more about how to release them as well, or you can if you are mindful. And so that was helpful for my viola playing right away. I also, around the, time, the same time, started to do Alexander Technique really regularly for a couple of years. And those two worked hand in hand to, to teach me where I could let go and where I needed to, to sometimes hold on uh, in my body and maybe mentally and emotionally as well. So I knew after doing that for a while that I wanted to teach one of these two practices. And a yoga teacher training is much, much quicker than Alexander Technique teacher training And so when there was an opportunity and I could afford to do the certification, I did it right away. And practicing yoga, as well as all of the different physical things that I do hit. I think being strong as a musician is really important because we're really athletes. I mean, it is really unnatural to have to hold your arms in such a way to to produce great sound. I think that there's a little bit of a fear when it comes to exercise, especially in regards to things like lifting, but really this applies to all exercise. There's a fear that people will become too muscular or too strong or that they will start to lose the finesse and the control of the smaller muscles or the feel of the bow across the string. And I often had that fear as well. And so I would sort of back away from things, but I realized that you don't turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger just by going to the gym, you know, so often you have to want that. And then you have to work really hard and then you have to be really lucky. And that was a relief to me because I didn't ever want exercise to get in the way. And I knew that it could benefit me. And I think it has benefited me so much. I have the strength to hold myself in a position to play for a very long time and to do so comfortably. And at the same time, because I practice mindfully engaging these muscles in very different ways... I am able to release them when I need to. And just like people who only do one thing all the time, like people who run every single day and they run a lot, they get injured, right? It's overtraining. I think that the same thing is applicable for music. And one of the best ways to combat that is to cross-train. And I think that things like yoga and uh, whatever the exercise modality is, I think that when done carefully and thoughtfully, that these things are like cross-training for music.
1: I feel like the musicians as athletes conversation is one that doesn't happen quite often enough.
0: I definitely agree with that. And I think that I'm hearing it more and more, this sort of idea that musicians are athletes. And of course we are. I mean, we're moving. You physically have to move to make music. It does not matter how emotional or how intelligent you are. You have to move your body to make sounds for most things that people are doing musically. And so I'm glad that it's brought up. And I remember feeling in my undergrad years ago now that that this was a thing and that we needed to take better care of our bodies. But I also feel like so little has changed. People keep talking about it a little bit more and there'll be 1% of progress. One more conversation about this thing. And then you're told to go back into your practice room and practice six to eight hours a day or practice four hours a day, but have five hours of rehearsals. And that's just not... That's not sustainable. When I played Baltimore Symphony, I remember th- that this was this was my first, one of my first orchestra gigs that I had after the pandemic started. I think I played for York Symphony maybe one time before that. And I remember thinking during the rehearsals, I, I sat pretty near to the back, I would look around and I would see people in front of me, every single break, they would rub their shoulders, they would rub their neck, They would look just so tired. And of course, I knew that they were musicians who love what they do, probably. I assume. I shouldn't say that I knew that. But the music making was so good at such a high level. And it was so cool to play with them. But every single time that there was a break or a pause, they were rubbing their shoulders, they were twisting themselves, they were popping their neck, they were doing everything that they can, and they were clearly in pain. And this was maybe the first time that I ever thought to myself, Music is a little bit sacrifice. To play is to sacrifice. And I don't feel negative about that. I think that many people who are not musicians think how wonderful that you can do something that brings you so much joy. And it does. Music is so amazing. I feel so lucky to have a life that is really in music. Even as I do admin, even as I do exercise, I think it is all tied into my music making. But it is hard. It takes a toll on on your body, especially people who are in rehearsals all the time, people who are practicing all the time in addition to that, that is very hard on on your body. And many people don't have the time to take care of themselves in the way that they need to so that they can push past that that or so that they can play in a way that is healthy for a very, very long time. And seeing that, and this was not long after the recital that I gave, seeing that made my... Priorities shift a little bit more for a little bit longer. I I continued to not play the viola as seriously as often. I was still doing gigs all the time. It's not like I wasn't touching my instrument at all, but I was playing the viola slightly less, practicing less still for several months after this. And often when I would play, I would have that same thought. This is a thing that is very difficult. Not, Not just to play your notes well, but it is hard on the body. So I really started to invest even more of my time in exercise, in yoga, in finding ways that I could release tension and feel good so that when I do play the viola, it, it would feel as as good as I knew that it could.
1: It makes me wonder if you feel like your, I guess, long, long-term or short-term goals really have, if they are still what they were, when you started school at Peabody or when you graduated just a couple of years ago is any of what you have talked about like oh i never thought i would be doing this kind of situation
0: when i started at peabody i definitely assumed that orchestra was my goal so i really enjoyed playing in an orchestra during all of my time at peabody and and during my undergrad as well so that was sort of the track that i felt that i was on but i did not always understand why I was on it because I also loved playing in quartets. I loved giving recitals. I really love any of it. I'm grateful for that. I'm glad that I am someone who enjoys any of the things within reason anyway. Um, So when I graduated, that was my thought too. Of course, orchestras and things were closed. There were no auditions happening because of the pandemic at the time. But I definitely felt as though I wanted to take auditions for as long as it took and move anywhere in the country whatever it took to get an orchestra job and that did not last that did not last at all i was practicing excerpts a lot i got some of my excerpts to certainly the best place they had ever been to during this time of so much practicing and so much diligence and i just sort of realized i don't i don't know if that's what i want and When I had played with some of these other regional orchestras and things nearby, I enjoyed it, but I thought, I don't know if I want to do this every week or all the time or even, you know, two or three times a month felt like a lot. And so my goals did start to shift away from that a bit. And then when I started to do admin work and also when I started to be more serious about fitness instruction on top of my own fitness uh, regimen, I had a couple of almost morning phases. I was really nervous that by doing more admin or by doing more exercise or more instruction that I was accepting a life without performing. I was so nervous of that all the time that I would not get to play as much. And maybe even more importantly, that I would feel like I was a failure in music because Playing the viola was not the only thing that I was doing for money. And I know so many people who do that, who don't just play as their only means of survival and who are happy. I just thought for sure, well, that can't be me. I don't know why. It's stupid. In hindsight, it's very, very stupid. But each time that I would start to take on more work, I had those feelings and it would make me very stressed. But I feel so happy and so lucky now when I played with these orchestras each time and, and when I was thinking about how it impacts your body and everything else, I thought, man, this is such a wonderful thing to do every once in a while. I sure love that I can do this sometimes and then put it away, put it aside, focus on other things for a while. And I'm in a really fortunate place where I can do that, not be playing all the time, not be hustling constantly, but still be able to, to provide and, and to, to stay alive. When I say provide, I mean for my dog, of course, and husband. Um, since doing those things, I have found more joy in playing the viola when I'm not just playing all the time or when I'm not working so hard to get that one recital lined up or that one... that one uh, to play with this one orchestra one time, whatever it is. When I'm not so focused on that, when I get to play the viola in front of people, it is such a joy. And I still do it enough that it's not at all foreign. I love performing still, and I still perform a lot, actually. But my goal is to be in shape, to play the instrument, and to do all the things that I love to do, whether that's hiking or running or whatever it may be, to make enough money that I'm not worried, and to be called and to play gigs, or to get to do cool opportunities. And I get to do all three of those. I have a lot of fun gig opportunities. And by gig, I mean any any performance opportunities. My goal then is that people will know that I'm a good gig player, or at least a reasonable gig player, and hopefully nice to work with, and that they will call me for interesting performances and events. I was asked recently to do a two and a half month tour across the country, and I mean across the country, playing for Our Planet Live, Our Planet as in the production that's narrated by David Attenborough. It was going to be on tour, and they were going to be on a sleeper bus, and I was not into that, and I wasn't sure when I was going to exercise. There were all these things. I turned it down, so boo, whatever. But I, I want to be someone who people think, oh, here's this interesting gig, We're going to go on tour. We're going to do this thing or come up to New Hampshire or play with this orchestra and they'll think to call me. That's my goal. I want to play. I want to have fun when I'm playing. I want it to always be like the main thing in my life. And it is. But I also don't want to have to play all the time.
1: Yeah, I love all of this. This is great. Um, This is a different direction. I'm wondering... Do you have any, this is not really musical, do you have any favorite shows, books, or music, or anything that you are listening to, watching, reading these days for fun?
0: In terms of music, I have been listening a lot to Bjork's newest album, Fasora, which is just really, really outstanding. Ooh, I haven't listened to that yet. I need to. It's very, very good. She is so interesting. She is so quirky, and her music is just incredible and really inspiring too and it's just so complex of course i love beyonce love her new album and i listen to a lot of fiona apple as well so those are those are where i'm spending my extra time at the moment
1: before we wrap up i wanted to ask if you have any closing advice for current peabody students or well not just Peabody students current current students period or recent graduates from the stuff that we've talked about. You already included a lot of great, great things here.
0: So as someone who books a lot of events all around the country, I regularly hire many, 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 many musicians all over the place. And I have, I have some thoughts on the kinds of people that we hire. First of all, this this is the first thing. There are three qualities, there are probably more, but we'll boil it down to three. There are three qualities that I look for in, in a person that is being hired for any event, especially if it's someone that I, that I know personally or an event that I myself will be a part of. They have to be communicative and organized. So important. They need to be good at the instrument that they play, and they need to be nice. They need to be nice, kind, easy to work with. We will hire someone if they fit two of those Two of those things. We prefer to have all three. They need to be able to play their instrument no matter what, right? I mean, that one is sort of a given. So make sure that in all of the things that you're doing, when you're at a rehearsal, when you are responding to an email, be communicative, be kind, and and just prepare. And I know that that seems so obvious, but it's not always obvious. It is really so important that you are having conversations with the people that you play with, that you are being kind, that you are showing that you are approachable. Make the experience that is playing with you memorable. That doesn't mean that you need to play louder than anybody. Don't play your concertos when you are warming up for a gig. Please just don't do it. Um, but, but play well and, and be kind and, and, and do your job, but, but be kind. I, I, I've said it so many times, it's not just enough to, to go and to play well, and that is important, but, but be nice or have fun, know that you can have fun. People will notice that they will pick up on your energy. They will hear the way that you play. They will remember that you responded to emails quickly. These things make a really big difference and make companies like the one that I work for much more likely to hire you. So on a practical level, that is just so important. Those are all skills that you should practice practicing your instrument is not enough practice your email writing whatever just by doing it and then just be nice and then apart from that i guess just be open i have learned to be open to so many more things interesting projects on and off of the viola and that has made my life in music much more enriching much more enjoyable and i'm just so grateful for that and i feel so lucky
1: Great. Well, thank you so much, Gavin. It's really, really fun talking to you and um, hearing about what's going on for you these days. So we appreciate it.
0: Thank you very much. Nice to talk to you.
1: To learn more about Gavin's work, you can check out his website at gavinpeck.com, which includes information on performances, lessons, and yoga instruction. You can also find his yoga class schedule at baltimorehotyogaandwellness.com. And for more information about Listesso music group services, visit listesso.com.